0: Media and welcome to episode one of the Enduro Bureau podcast. I'm here with my co hosts, uh, Courtney and Jared. Uh, Courtney Schmalley, why don't you introduce yourself for everybody?
1: Well, thanks for, for hosting and having us on. I'm Courtney Schmalley. I'm born and raised in Sylvan Lake area, and my spouse Jared and I run a sprint enduro race series now introducing XCs, and it's called SOR Enduro Racing. So, um, big into the racing myself, but just getting back into it this season as I've had a long journey of recovery, but here we are.
0: I'm just going to ask a, uh, a question that everyone else who's listening, cause hopefully people are listening from far and wide, or at least our listener is remote. Uh, our single listener, uh, where is Sylvan Lake?
1: Sylvan Lake on the grid is about an hour and a half north of Calgary. So basically directly in the middle of Edmonton and Calgary,
0: Alberta, Canada,
1: Alberta, Alberta
2: Canada. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, cool. Thank you. And Jared, introduce yourself to the listener.
2: Uh, yeah, my name's Jared Stock. I've been racing, uh, my whole life. Uh, born and raised in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. Uh, been in Calgary for the last few years and then back in Medicine Hat. Um, yeah, Courtney and I run SOR Enduro, which is uh, a race series here in Alberta. Uh, we've started focusing on the sprints, bringing the sprint stuff into Canada and Alberta, and now uh, uh, just trying to build that series. Um, yeah, myself, I've been racing uh, off-road and enduro for the last probably 10 years now. Um, as pro motocross before that, uh, but now I'm racing uh, my six six days and um, yeah, that's kind of the main focus for us now was building that series and, and racing as much as possible.
0: Right on. Well, thank you guys for hopping into the Enduro Bureau world and co-hosting this uh, this ship ship. Excited
2: uh... to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's right you are. So, hey, I yeah. want to introduce our guest who hopefully is excited to be here. 50/50.
3: Always. <laughs> All
0: right. So, <laughs> our guest is, you know, I'm I'm just going to say I'm pretty excited to have her on. Uh, she is the defending 2023 AMA Endurocross Pro Women's Champion. She's a member of the Team USA ISDE Women's World Trophy. That uh, just happened to win in Argentina last October uh, she also happened to win a couple of uh, tests there including and we'll talk about this with a busted up separated shoulder so uh, yeah and also she is a contributing writer here at Enduro.media ladies and gentlemen I'd like to introduce Rachel Goodish yay mm-hmm. Ooh, wow. Welcome, <laughs> Rachel. Welcome to the Enduro Bureau podcast. You're our first guest.
3: You know, I'm so honored. I knew I was going to be on a podcast. I didn't realize I was going to be the first guest. So now I like, I really got to sell this thing. Like, I got to be the best guest imaginable. Because if I'm the Pressure's start, like, that's what gonna. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> Getting race know day here.
0: Yeah. Don't don't screw it up. Otherwise, we're all out of work.
3: <laughs> oh. And I, and I just started with you guys. That'd be such a bummer.
0: Uh hey, so welcome. Uh let's just start with some easy ones. Like where are you right now?
3: So right now I am in Irwinton, Georgia. So I'm from Indiana. I actually am the only non-Canadian on this podcast right now, aren't I? You
0: are. You're do I need to throw isolated. do I need
3: to throw in like a gratuitous A just to like always maybe you know
2: comfortable with it
0: and and and, and the occasional the occasional sorry would be well appreciated if you don't mind sorry
3: Um, okay i have a hard time with that so we say it like sorry like it's got an a in it so it's like sorry is sorry correct is that is that close sorry
0: sorry i was late getting out of the house
1: (laughs) we'll take it
3: yeah it's all good so so
0: Yeah, you're from Indiana. And one of the things when uh, when we met at the Enduro Cross series last year is you were impressed that, you know, I knew how to say your hometown.
3: Yes, I was very surprised by that. It's uh, The French fur trappers got there first. So Terre Haute is how you say it, but I've very rarely heard anyone not from there get it right. So was very impressed by that.
0: I was going to uh, write it down for Jared and Courtney and make them try to say it and see if they could get it. Could have been a little halftime.
3: Well, game. wait. Oh, you, you guys so, are on the Alberta side, though. You don't have, like, the yeah, French-Canadian yeah. background. If you're French-Canadian, I bet you'd get it.
0: Well, I, I am from the East, so... And I did used to... When I was a kid, I did a little bit of French immersion school, but I've lost most of that now.
2: So You're closer. We're we're very far from anything French. The odd sign we see is French, but that's about it.
0: St. Albert, Alberta is a thriving French community. Oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: We, we had the option to take French in school, but you don't give kids that age the option to do any extra work because <laughs> they don't, don't do take it, it. now.
0: All right. Well, Hey, so again, once again, welcome, Rachel, uh, really glad you're here. And I just wanted to start off like new year, new team. Let's, why don't we go there first? So last season you were riding for, uh, over and out racing gas, gas, and things have changed.
3: Yeah. So over and outs definitely still involved. Um, happy to still be with them. They do, uh, women's off-road riding campouts and their whole reason for being is to try and get more women racing and riding, which is, you know, something I'm obviously a hundred percent behind. I just didn't really have the option with my new team to make them a title sponsor. So still involved, still working with them, just not quite to the same level of support we had. Now, as far as the moving to Sherco, um, gonna give the very very brief story on that because as you know if I gave the full story that would take the entire podcast and (laughs) no one wants to hear me rant for a full hour about (laughs) things so short version of the story is I was originally slated to ride for gas gas um I got really disrespected in a like my feelings were hurt and it takes a lot to hurt my feelings So I wasn't really considering looking elsewhere, but then when all that happened, I'm like, well, if they don't appreciate me, maybe I should, you know, go find someone who does. And I got lucky enough to find someone who did, and the deal ended up working out way better than anything GasGas ever offered me, so it really just ended up being a win-win all the way around. Yeah, Um, so... It was a little stressful, though. Like, I took the deal without ever having ridden or tested the bikes to speak of, like... I rode a friend's around a parking lot once for 10 minutes and that was all the time I'd ever spent on the blue bike. So a bit of a leap of faith, but sometimes you got to take that leap, you know?
0: Yeah. So I know from talking before, it was kind of interesting the way, uh, the way that it ended up working out with Sherco. So they had approached you, uh, I think during the enduro cross season. And as I recall, you were basically short story. You were unable to do it because you had a, you know, potential commitment with gas, gas, it didn't work out. And then, timing worked out like you were lucky enough that you were able to resurrect that potential deal.
3: Yes, um very very lucky. I can't really even describe how lucky I was to get a deal in late December. Like that's normally not I don't know necessarily how the sponsorship and contract seasons work in Canada, but I imagine it's like down here everybody's pretty well locked into what they're doing by early November at the absolute latest. So the fact they had anything for me at all I, and a deal as good as they did, I was super, super grateful.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned like, you know, by November things are set up. This, this was all going down early December.
3: Yes, it, I will say this is probably the most stressful off season I've ever had. <laughs> Just in terms of, am I going to have a ride? Who's it going to be with? And then with the original gas, gas deal, all my product sponsorships were going to be covered through that. So I hadn't reached out to any of my personal sponsors except to let them know, Hey, I'm doing this deal. And then if it was a sponsor of the team I was supposed to ride for, I was letting them know, Hey, I'll be staying with you guys, but I'll be through, you know, the team. And then for the people who were conflicts, like sponsors, I couldn't carry over. I let them, I did the polite thing, you know, let them know, Hey guys, you know, it's been a pleasure working with you. Unfortunately, I'm going to this team. I can't carry over our sponsorship. So I already either told people they didn't need to worry about holding a budget for me because, either it's coming through the team's budget or I'm not going to be able to use you. So then not only am I trying to put together what brand I'm going to be on, I'm trying to do all my product sponsorships without knowing what brand I'm going to be on anymore. It's like, Hey guys, I might be writing something and I know I told you I didn't need any help, but maybe I need some help after all. Can, (laughs) can, can you still manage that? So the good news is a lot of my, a lot of my sponsors I've been with for many, many years and they were, happy to help me as best they could for the situation. So we're in, we're in a good place. It just took a lot of work to get to that good place.
0: Right on. So the last time we talked about it, um, you'd only had a couple rides on the Shurko. And so now we're, you know, we're about a month and a half later and you've actually started your season. You've had two rounds of the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series already. So, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the experience riding the new Shurko?
3: Yeah, of course. But before we get around to that, I'm kind of curious because I'm talking to two co-hosts who run a sprint enduro series in Canada. And I kind of like to do a little compare contrast. I'd love to hear what your guys' sprint format looks like versus ours.
2: Come on up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to come and try it out. I think you'd be great. We need some more women out here competing. So we'll, uh, we'll give you a place to stay and all. And I know a lot of Sherco riders out there that can get you a bike set up. Sweet, sweet. Actually, I'll have to check you know, the calendar and,
3: and see if I can if, make it happen.
0: And I'm pretty all sure depends. they have they have start money for you. If, so
2: if yeah. you're faster on your Sherco, you can't come. Because Wait, why is that? The, you. Just for the listeners, a background story: Rachel and I were on the same minute at the Corduroy Enduro this year, and uh, I was struggling a little bit at the beginning and then i was like i'm gonna blast these tests and i started turning it up and i was like yeah i just smoked everyone and uh turn around and come off the test and rachel's following me out of the test a couple of times and i was like oh okay i see it. see how it is so <laughs> if you're faster on the Sherco, you're an official threat to my overall so
3: Oh, I, I don't know about that. i I was close to you maybe <laughs> once. <laughs> You're pretty quick
2: with 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 a failing clutch slave, you still were on my ass oh, or... everywhere. So. <laughs> Just, okay, yeah,
3: so that's a that's a whole other story, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel so why... bad. I feel bad like I couldn't help you out in the woods, but so <laughs> okay. you
3: know, I survived. I made it to the end of the race and I still somehow finished second. At the yep. board, so I'm. I'll take it.
2: But uh, yeah, back to that the the sprint series stuff we wanted here. We actually got a taste of it when we came down. We uh we were actually we drove from Medicine Hat to Montreal to race one of our teammates, Phil's uh you know Phil. Uh, yeah. He had a sprint a winter sprint enduro, and we were gonna race it in. Uh, I think it was like March or something like that. Yeah. And. Is there it still snow? Up, yeah, we're blasted with snow right now.
0: Yeah. And and and, and just so for context again. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um just for context, when you say you're driving from Medicine Hat to, to Montreal, that's how long a drive?
2: 45 hours.
1: It was a very long drive.
2: <laughs> so we bl- we blasted out there 45 hours, and then Phil's race ended up getting canceled. And uh, so the closest race. To race that we had to go to was our other teammate Tyler was down in, um, North Carolina, South Carolina for the North Carolina. Yeah. For the full gas sprint enduro. So we're like, okay, so it's 18 hours. Let's add it on. So we trucked down to the States another 18 hours and we somehow justified it because it was 45 hours back home from Montreal and only 38 hours back home from North Carolina plus the 18 hours so somehow we justified that we'd get home quicker
1: it made uh, the most your... sense
0: <laughs>
2: Enduro, math. enduro. Math, i love yeah. that and so yeah we got our, our first taste of like you know we we had raced or i'd raced six days probably five times or four times before that so we got a taste of like special testing but we wanted to always check out a sprint enduro so we, we pinned it down there and got our taste of that i crashed out and like the third test, but Courtney had a great day racing and we loved it so much that, uh, that year we did a couple of practice, you know, see what the people would uh, participate. And then the following year after that, we went for a full seven round sprint enduro and it's loosely based off, you know, the very similar type one, one cross test, one enduro test, uh, about the five kilometers or three miles similar to what, uh, um, the format that you guys have down there. So we benchmarked. It's not stealing, it's benchmarking.
0: I like it. <laughs> yeah, so it is. It is a very similar format to what you're racing down there, Rachel, Rachel in uh, the sprint in the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series. And who knows, maybe at some point in the future, you could somehow build a North American sprint or North American Enduro Series instead of having to separate ones in Canada in the u.s That's let's keep really the dream cool. alive um so yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay rachel so the 2024 season you're two rounds in so why don't you tell us a little bit about how those went your impressions of getting on the bike so again last time we talked early january you were still just testing and trying to get a setup in place
3: yes and uh To be fair, I'm still doing a lot of testing and getting a setup in place. The Sherco is a fantastic platform, but it is very different than the gas gases were. So there's been a lot of not even just adjusting the bike itself, but me adjusting to the bike. Like the way So for example, it corners so fast. I love the cornering, but there's been times where I instinctively set up the corner like I'm on my gas gas and it's going to take me like a second longer to corner and then I find that I'm in the bushes and the corner's like still like mm-hmm. a good five feet in front of me. So there's been a lot of that <laughs> aspect of like or like on the gas gas I had a track shock for a very long time so I got used to the feeling of that back end being very dead and staying on the ground. I can go just as fast on the shirt but I need to remember that the back end coming up is not a terrifying sign I'm going to die. That's just how the bike handles Right. So it's been a lot of that sort of thing. Just the, again, learning the new platform, learning the new chassis. And I mean, I've been on it a, a month now, a little longer than a month, which sounds like a long time, but when you've ridden one kind of bike for many, many years and most of your career and you're transitioning to a completely different platform, it does take some time just to get used to. But with that being said, from what I've seen so far, this is absolutely a bike I can be competitive and win on. So,
0: well, I think, you're again, proving given the comp- that
3: I went into it, go ahead. Oh,
0: I was just going to say like, you're, you're obviously proving the competitive part. I mean, you've put this thing on the podium, you know, your first two races out.
3: Yes, that is, that is a very good point you make. And I think sometimes I expect a lot out of myself. <laughs> so I do need to remember that. Yeah. Podium finish is definitely a solid, solid start. And I mean, I did have a couple test wins last round. I won two of the six enduro tests, so I was pretty stoked with that. Um, Cross test, I was, to be honest, Brandy Richards is the fastest woman in the world, and she was blowing my doors off on the moto track. In fact, Jared, I think if I come to Canada, like, can I get some private how to ride a moto track and not suck at it lessons? Because (laughs) of of all the things I do, that's definitely my weak point, I guess I'd say.
2: We specialize in gross, dusty, flat, hard, hard pack. So
3: perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what I need. <laughs> All
2: right, it's it's we'll the dimensional Canada guys.
3: So <laughs> yeah. which which ISDs were you at, Jared? Again.
2: Uh, so I recently. did it recently. So Argentina, we did the last three years: Argentina, France, and Italy, and then I had a three-year hiatus. Two-year hiatus, and then I did uh, Slovakia, Argentina, Italy. All
3: gotcha. So, all of them except Slovakia, I think, were a lot of gross, dusty, hard pack. So I imagine yeah. you felt uh, quite at I home. I loved
2: it so good. Well, except for Argentina, this last one was—I don't know—there's was something special about that place that I never want to ride ever again. But it was—it <laughs> was dusty and hard packed, and. Like the, I don't know, it just was gross. I couldn't go fast. I didn't feel like, I thought I was going to die multiple times. So I think I just rode pretty tentatively. But that dirt is something else. I'd I'd ride the grossest, dustiest hard pack within 10 hours of my house 400 times over before I ever want to ride that ever again. (laughs) How did you feel about it?
3: Oh, man. Well, first off, you said you went to Argentina twice. So you were like me in the sense that you are, you knew what you were getting into when you signed up for this. So can I really be... I mean, I can be sorry for you, but I don't know that I could be that sorry for either <laughs> you or me because we knew. We knew and we still went. And it was funny because so many of the people that qualified for the States as club writers were like so excited, like South America, this is going to be so cool. And I didn't have the heart to tell them what Argentina was like. I'm like, you know what? Let them let them enjoy this and then we can cross that bridge when we get there yeah um so how i feel about argentina is very mixed honestly because so the riding for the most part i'm kind of with you it was vaguely terrifying at times i mean some of it was fun like the gravel washes and some of that stuff where i felt like i could sort of predict what was gonna happen with the bike was nice um And I rode really, really well. Like, I'd never won ISDE tests before. I didn't think Argentina would be the place I'd start doing that. But, like, that was pretty cool. My team obviously did really well. I am in relatively good shape, and I come from a place where it does get kind of hot. So, I mean, not 115 in the shade usually, but I at least kind of knew enough to start drinking early. So the heat stroke and some of the things the other riders suffered early in the week, I was able to mostly... You know, skim past without too much problem, but then of course, you know, there was the gross, dusty aspect of it, and the fact that I separated my shoulder at the end of day three really did not make for a uh, pleasant and enjoyable six days.
0: So, I <laughs> what's I mean, it's not funny that you blew up your shoulder, obviously. I mean,
3: no, no that hey, would have sucked in, re- in <laughs> retrospect. You know, I found that the very best and most entertaining stories I get normally arise out of some tragic misfortune. So yeah. like, you know, I'm happy I got the story. I'm not happy I had to do it, but at least there's something, you're welcome to laugh. It, it, like, it's funny in kind of a horrible way, and I can respect that. But,
0: but here's the thing. So I think I was in Oregon, or I just, we, Oregon is, is the round you missed of Andrew Across to go to ISDE. And I was down there and talking to you, and I think it was when I was traveling back on the Monday and that might've been day one or day two of ISD. I can't remember now, but you were sort of saying like, Hey, like keep it on the down low reporter guy. But you know, you were having like some pretty serious bike issues and you were worried that your bike was even going to get through. And then I heard, <laughs> you know, a few things and like, I was like, Oh, Rachel ran into some trouble. I didn't realize like you came off the bike and blew up your shoulder trouble. I thought, like, literally your bike had just given up the ghost.
3: Well, one thing I can say, when the bike gives up the ghost, there's very little you can do about that. I can keep going. So if I had to pick between the two, I would much rather endure grievous bodily harm at the six days because I can probably still continue. If the bike gives up the ghost, you're done. There's very little, like, if you blow up an engine, you just can sit there and look sadly at your bike until the sweep comes for you. Like at least when it's you that's hurt, you can sort of push through that. It's like, it's the same reason at the checkpoints almost always look over the bike before I drink, eat, take care of myself. It's like, like the cowboys used to say, you take care of the horse first because without yeah. the horse, you're done.
0: <laughs> yeah, gear first. So right? if I
3: had to pick. <laughs> now, the uh, as far as the bike problems, we ended up... I tried a bunch of different stuff to fix it day end of day one, morning of day two, and we're not totally sure which of the things that, which of the things I did fixed it. So we're kind of still uncertain, (laughs) but the leading hypothesis was a combination of Argentinian fuel, not being very good, which I would have, you know, we probably could have predicted that if we thought a little harder about it. Um, The extreme heat and the way the bike was mapped. We think my gas was actually boiling as I was riding. And it was causing, you know, if you've got bubbles in your gas, sometimes the fuel pump is going to grab air and not fuel. And the bike's going to run weird and sputtery. And basically that's what would happen towards the midpoint and into the tests. The bike would be like, like enough that spectators were turning to look at me and it was not because I was going fast. They're like, Oh my God, what (laughs) is wrong with that motorcycle? (laughs) Even one of my, the, the boyfriend of one of my competitors from great Britain was their taste rider. And she actually texted me that night. Cause we're buddies. She's like, dude, is your bike? Okay. My boyfriend uh... said it was the worst sounding thing he'd ever heard. And this is only day one. And I'm like, I don't want to really talk about it right now. <laughs> and then it also led to what I call like my nightmare scenario at six days. Um, I can work on the motorcycle, but it's not really my strong suit. I'm clumsy. I drop tools. I drop bolts. I forget. Like I, panic sometimes and that's under good circumstances. So my fear going into the work period the morning of day 2 is like I am somehow going to drop route points trying to fix this thing and ruin this for the team. Like I'm going to cost us the world trophy because I can't work on my dirt bike and that is terrifying. Like the embarrassment I would feel I cannot even begin to describe.
0: But it's but that's something so... though, when we were when we were chatting a little bit while you were down there you know, you never came right out and said that, but reading between the lines, it wasn't very hard to read between the lines and you know pick up that you were so scared you were going to blow it for Team USA. And I was like, well, you know, you can only do what you can do, right?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of an open book. I'm not good at hiding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous or excited or really any emotion. I sort of wear them on my sleeve most of the time, for better or worse. Yeah. So,
0: so you blow up your shoulder and. I believe I suppose I should probably
3: talk about how I did that, right? Yes, that's good. It's probably relevant to the. Okay, so it was funny because another friend of mine, Taylor Jones, she recently retired, but she raced in the States for many, many years. Australian originally. She holds a U.S. green card, but still is an Australian citizen. So when she goes to six days, she represents the Aussies. And we actually got her in the same section, same test same corner, same rock, which when you think about the odds of that happening Mm -hmm. over an entire six days, it's just almost beyond belief. And I, so at six days, we rode two laps around the course on the same day. So you'd see all the tests twice. Now, my first lap through, we'd had a I don't really remember the first test of the day that much. It didn't make much of an impression on me, to be honest. And then the second test of the day was, I was calling it mini Erzberg, because it was like, there was a dam and it looked like there had been some recent mining or blasting. And you kind of know what the Erzberg prologue looks like, like up and down these big haul roads and rocky and gravelly and stuff. That was test two. And then test three was this uh, big gravel wash kind of thing down by by a reservoir. And the second test of the day, I really, really liked. In fact, when I was walking, in, I'm like, this is the one. I think I can win this one. This is finally going to be my first test win. So first time through that test, I ended up uh, coming in and... Our Board worker. So for Team USA, we've usually got someone. I don't know exactly. I know you guys are a lot lower on manpower than we are most of the time. So I don't know if this is a thing you guys do for Canada, but we usually have someone at the special tech check or special tests there to take your fanny pack, whatever you want to take off, um, give you water if you need it, and write down the times so you can see your time relative to whatever country's closest to you. Like just kind of give you a vibe on where you are. Um, so I come in and our board worker goes excellent job, Rachel. Brandy only beat you by like five seconds. And I'm like, okay. I made some mistakes. I blew a couple corners. I think if I clean it up, I can come around and win this one the second time. So then Mm -hmm. we go to test three, the one I ended up not liking at all. I promise this is going somewhere, by the way. I know it's kind of drawn out, but I'll try and speed it along. (laughs) So go to the third test of the day. And I hated that test the entire time. I felt like I was going to die. Jared, you wrote this test. Did you also have vibes that you were going to die in this particular one? Or was the going to die feeling other places?
2: Mine was like full time. Okay. <laughs> Every test.
3: <laughs> gotcha. Well, so, rented,
2: like...
3: Oh yeah. That also doesn't, were you the one who lost your suspension? Were you the guy on stock suspension?
2: I rode a bone stock 300. Yeah.
0: But it was, it was Tyler that got his, you're my hero. <laughs>
2: Tyler rode bone- <laughs> so Tyler rode bone stock a bone stock bike too because he lost all of his luggage too so him and I are on bone stock bikes
3: yeah that's another fun thing about Argentina isn't it um yeah <laughs> yeah so Moving rode on. that test thought to myself I'm gonna die managed to not die and went okay start the loop again get to test two come through the finish and our board, I really thought I'd won it. And the board worker was like, well, this is interesting. And I'm like, man, I know Brandy's faster than me, but that's a little rude, you know? And then that turns out that wasn't what he was talking about. He said, I didn't think I'd have to write it down to the milliseconds. So I don't know who won that test.
2: Brandy mm. and I had
3: ran identical times and it was decided by less than a second. So we didn't know who had won that test. So we gave each other a friendly fist bump and moved on down the trail. And then I rode an hour of transfer, not knowing if I'd won my first special test. And I was very anticlimactic. And then when I get to the checkpoint before test three, I'm finally able to look at my phone. They hand it over and I look at it and I'm like, I won the test, but the only people there were Brandy and our case rider Meg. And it felt like the other thing too, with Brandy, we're friends and she's my teammate, but she also won every single test at a six days one time. <laughs> the only person in history to do it. So me celebrating the one time ever in eight years of riding six days, I won a single test felt kind of lame, you know? Like, So I was over the moon, but I'm trying to be so chill about it. And she's like, good job, Rachel. And we like celebrated that I beat her at something for once in my career <laughs> and then moved on with it. So I'm so, like, well,
0: so was your we're, shoulder getting, we're getting already... to the crash part. Yeah. Okay. No, so you, no, you we're getting not there. I'm so sorry.
3: Like, okay. <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry this up. I promise. And feel free to edit no, out whatever parts no, of this you're, you need you're good. To make it. You're good. So then we go into test three. And so my team, my goal would for us as a team was obviously to win, but you got to have some like individual goals while you're there too, in case the team has a problem or just because it's also fun that way. So I had wanted to finish in the top three for the week because I'd never done that. And I wanted to win a test. So when I go into scary test, I'm like, you know what? I just want a test. I have no reason to charge through this. It scared me so bad last time. I'm going to ride at 80%. And I still crashed and destroyed my shoulder. (laughs) So, but the reason I bring all of this up is because Taylor and I hit the same rock. Like We talked it over and concluded, yes, we did indeed hit the same rock in the same corner. When I crashed, all I did was separate my shoulder, which again is a lot. But when Taylor crashed, she separated her shoulder, tore a rotator cuff and broke every single rib on her left side. I only broke one. Like oh. Taylor messed herself up bad and I think the difference might have been that I was in a like Australia was behind us. They were all riding so hard to try and catch us whereas I think my 80% was the difference between I only did the shoulder and one rib and Taylor did like everything. Hmm. So in a way, the timing that of winning that test worked out perfectly and kind of mitigated the damage. So as far as the crash itself, um, I didn't ever see the rock I hit. And the only reason I realized which rock it was is I finally, like, the next day, my times were not anything to write home about. So I actually stopped in the test in that corner and looked for the rock because I'd been so mad <laughs> that i never saw it, like, never even knew what I hit. I'm like, I'm going to, like... You know what? I'm already setting ridiculously slow times. I'm going to take the 10 seconds and satisfy like, my curiosity and figure were you, out were you, where the rock w- is.
0: Did part of you want to pick it up and bring it home as a souvenir?
3: Uh, part of me wanted to find it later and pulverize it with a sledgehammer, except I couldn't lift <laughs> my shoulder, my arm over my head anymore. Um, <laughs> but So when I crashed, I had just been clicking my 350 up into fifth gear, so I was going pretty fast. And I... Remember the shock hitting and unloading. And I went over the bars. I land, like, when you know you're getting ready to crash, a lot of times you can do things to make it less bad. So, like, in an ideal circumstances, I would have moved my head and, like, chucked my shoulder around and kind of rolled unfortunately it caught me by such surprise all I had time to do was move my head which I guess of all the things to hit the head is the thing you want to least hit against the ground going 60 miles an hour so I got the head moved and didn't concuss myself which was great but I did still drive basically the shoulder hit first and knocked the entire thing backwards and then I bounced and then I hit again and that's when I did the rib I landed on something pointy and eventually skidded to a stop um I had gravel in my boots. I had gravel in my sports bra. I had gravel in my goggles. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, (laughs) full of gravel. And I, like, kind of, like, do the dead fish thing there for a second, like, trying to breathe. And I sit (laughs) up, and I can't see my motorcycle. But what I can see is that there's an FIM official running towards me as fast as he can. And there is a bunch of ribbon down off to my left. So I'm able to conclude, like, you know, using my Sherlock Holmes deduction skills here. The bike went that way, and I can't let the FIM official get to me because if he stops and pulls me for a medical check in the middle of a special test, we're going to lose. So I stagger in the direction I think my motorcycle went, eventually found it. The motorcycle is a mess, but I'm not even worried about that. Oh, I should also mention, so I've been doing this thing at six days where I wear my tool pack in the test, which I know a lot of people don't do, but I figure, like, my odds of, you know catching some bailing wire or something in the special test and then not having side cuts. Like that is absolutely if if that's going to happen to anyone at this event, it would be me. And then I'd be there like trying to chew through the baling wire with my teeth or something <laughs> stupid. And on top of that, when I was riding the three fifty, it felt like sometimes I was just like a little bit too small for the bike. Like I'm not a very big rider and a lot of times I couldn't put physically put enough weight or pressure into pegs or So I figured if my pack makes me 10 pounds heavier, that's 10 more pounds of momentum I have to throw around. And it seemed to work really well. I was riding great. So I kept the pack on. Um, It tore the pack off. I don't know where the pack went. Auntie was actually super mad at me because there were like titanium wrenches and stuff in there that KTM provided. And we never got those. But I like to think to myself that some poor Argentinian man probably fed his family for two months on those titanium wrenches. (laughs) So, you know, that was my good deed.
0: I think, I think the KTM group can afford it.
3: They can. They can. Absolutely. <laughs> so I get the bike picked up, and I take off, and I hear Jess Gardner coming behind me, so I pretend like I can't get out of the way. And then I hear my teammate, Corey, coming and get out of her way, you know, because, you know, still a team player <laughs> through and through all the way. <laughs> get to the end of the test, and, like, I could tell I was in, a, like, pain, but I was also in enough shock it didn't really – me until I stopped
0: shock is your friend
3: how exactly so I I knew the bike like the front end was twisted like bars are this way and it turns out the bike was actually jacked up bad enough when I went to loosen the pinch bolts on the axle the whole axle jumped an inch to the right like it it was horrible um I broke the subframe and zip tied it back together um Cave, like caved the silencer in, but again, that it, it, I wasn't going fast enough anymore for it to matter whether I had good power out of the bike. Um, I think I ended up having to replace the bars. Uh, so yeah, just really did a number on the motorcycle. But when I realized my shoulder was bad, I had. Our team manager, Auntie, was there, and he wanted me to put the bike on the stand so he could, like, do a walk around and then tell the people at the paddock what I was going to need to fix the bike with. I went to pull up on the little rubber grommet thing that holds your um, side stand in place. And I almost threw up, and I'm like, okay, we're going to use the other arm for that, like, that picking up motion. Oh, God, that hurt. Um, So I made my way back to the pits didn't drop any routes or anything but it wasn't like a fun ride obviously after that and got the bike fixed enough i guess like i was like I said i was no longer going fast going fast was that whole that whole idea went out the window as soon as i hit the deck now it's just okay most of the women's teams have already lost riders we have a lead over Australia. Maybe we can still hold this together. Like Brandy is a superhuman. Corey's doing pretty decent. And then when I found out Taylor got hurt, I'm like, okay, great. We're playing man. Well, not great. I felt really bad for her. Nobody should have to endure that. (laughs) But from a team perspective, it's like, okay, now we're playing man-to-man defense. All I have to do is beat their injured rider and we still win, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and for those who don't know, the penalty in ISDE for losing a rider is three hours each day. Am I yes. right on that one?
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you three, don't
0: want Three lose hour order. penalty, yeah. I mean it happened to the Canadian women's team. They we lost two on day one, I think.
3: Yep. Yeah, that was a brutal. rough go round for you guys.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Brutal. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. So I got through day four that was the day I was the most worried about because it had that transfer up through the mountains. Um, Jared, do you want to describe the transfer up through the mountains? I'll let you talk a little.
2: Uh, I don't even know if I remember much anymore. I pretty much got on the airplane and forgot about that whole trip as quickly Was as that possible.
1: the one that was off the highway that you could see everyone trying to go through? Cause there was one oh, section yeah. that everyone was falling down that we could see
2: that right long. by the lake.
3: Everyone Was Falling Down describes that section pretty well, so <laughs> maybe that was visible from there. The, the hard yeah. enduro like, transfer. It was, yes, no, it was genuinely approaching, like, not the major features of a hard enduro, like, not the waterfall you have to splatter up or anything, but, like, the trail you'd use to get to the hard stuff at a hard enduro. Like, it was definitely mm-hmm. jagged and rocky, and I felt every single one of those rocks, and there were drop-offs and hill It just was really not fun. But I also remember, this is going to sound weird. I was thankful that of my teammates, I'm the one who got hurt. Because we needed, we, I figured we would still need Brandy to be setting really fast times to win. Because I'm going slow now. And Corey, love Corey. She is not really known for her technical riding. She's made, like, she comes from a moto background originally. And she has made fantastic improvements in that domain. But it's still just not her thing. So I figured of the three people if anyone had to get hurt it needed to be me because I would be able to get through it and I also want to give a shout out to Corey here because uh she was a real stand-up teammate she followed me we were on the same row that day and she followed me through every single transfer and made sure I made it through even stopped like a couple times because that upward pulling motion remember that's the one that hurt so anytime I dropped the bike like it was uh exceptionally painful to pick it back up. So there were a couple times where Corey just leaned her bike over and walked up and picked picked me and my motorcycle up and like patted us on the back and got us going again. So I mean this
0: is this is I really, really this is a really, team
3: this is a team event. You have to yeah. remember that.
0: Yeah and that doesn't happen in moto. You know, like yeah, it's just it's so not. rare in the sport. And you know maybe Courtney and Jared I mean you can talk about that too like the team aspect of ISDE and how much it matters
2: yeah and it's not even just the riders it's it's everything um you know when especially at a six days it's you know it's everybody that comes together like just riding as through something like that it's it's so nice to have everything figured out outside of the track too like Courtney was is such a solid uh person to have with for me because like like I don't even want to think about doing anything else like I probably wouldn't even eat if I wouldn't I could probably just get off the track and go to bed. Yeah, so it's it's nice having that team aspect and and uh yeah and then between the riders it's it's cool. It's like I I came from motocross so it's like even your friends aren't your friends and where when I got into enduro racing, especially the six day stuff. And, you know, my best friends now are the guys that I try to beat every weekend. So that, that's been a a huge thing for me. And I think that's why the sport is growing so much in the enduro side of things is because you can have that same aspect of a, a team sport at the same time and making, trying to beat each other the fun part and the competitive part at the same time. So. That's a, that's a huge thing for, for six days. That's why I keep going back, honestly. Like I love doing it and um, you know, I get better every year and that's one of my goals, but I also couldn't give up, you know, spending a week, two weeks with my, you know, some of my closest friends walking around being hooligans for a week beforehand and then going out and doing it, doing it again uh, on the track. So I think uh, there needs to be a camera our, our teammate in uh, Italy, Cade Walker, he when he was with us, he was like, "You guys just need to have a camera follow you for your entire week of walking tests. Like that's enough media, comedic action for, for an entire year." I'm like, "It's a good idea."
1: I tried. I really tried.
0: <laughs> yeah. You did a good job with the uh, with the media it's this year pro- in Argentina. It-
2: the the oh, media would probably be – if there's anything further than R-rated, that would probably be it, though. So that would be the problem.
0: <laughs> but, but when
3: you, when you look was at i – I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure having a camera following us around <laughs> yet, the more I think about it. it it's certainly – you know, it's certainly be, you know, it's certainly be entertaining. Yeah.
0: So my my minor experience of that last season was uh, at Red Bull Outliers. And I was doing a track walk. I was following around uh, Billy oh, no. Bull, Manny – uh, you know, Matty Green, Johnny Walker. And then along the way, we come up over one of the, the big features and look down the hill. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow, what a great view of the Badlands. And like, look down here. And that's a pretty, pretty, ex- pretty brutal cliff over there. And I was like, who are those guys? And it was team Canada, ISDE members, uh, <laughs> Tyler Dahlia and Phil Cheney. <laughs> uh, and, and like, there was no one around. And it was hilarious. They were having it. They were just killing themselves as Tyler was dry humping Phil, just in the middle of the Badlands at Red Bull Outliers. I was uh, like, "Well, this is a moment." You know, not. <laughs> I actually have a picture of it that I've never shown those guys. So I, I might have oh, to watch that. Out <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, I need uh, to see that we all need to see that it was
3: yeah. oh, speaking, but, but really, speaking of phil okay so yeah just canadian <laughs> isde stuff if jared's <laughs> giving me moto riding lessons i want phil to teach me to dance like man, yeah. the after- <laughs> party he was cleaning up like i can't get i got two left feet man like if i could dance like that oh
0: so so courtney this was this was at the uh at the post-race event and just Maybe Courtney, you can set the scene of what happened there because it was epic. Yes. And also the, the question I want to know is how many views does that reel have?
1: Um like the one of the tire changes or the no, one. No, no, of no, no, the one of Phil, with Phil dancing with Garcia.
0: Phil just dancing oh. with Phil, I think.
1: God. yeah, that was insane. Nobody, nobody you know could
3: keep up.
0: <laughs>
1: no. You he couldn't had, keep he was, up. He was
3: in a classroom zone, you couldn't dance with Phil. I tried, it did not happen, but <laughs>
1: and the best thing about that is that phil may have had three sips of his drink and that was like that's just phil on a daily basis it was hilarious no,
3: that's like, terrifying that's terrifying that's genuinely terrifying uh, i assumed he was yeah. drunk you're telling I, me he I, wasn't I, even <laughs> drunk <to> do that <laughs> no.
1: it was like one sip of alcohol and all of a sudden like Clothes off on the Hulk, like it was just crazy. <laughs> he just
0: went. He just went. Uh, and this is not meant in any way to be an insult, but he he went full Quebecois. It looked like. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was amazing for sure. Yeah. So.
1: And he did rip his pants and his shirt off.
2: <laughs> the pants, the pants were by accident. That was a rip. Oh <laughs> yeah, he was
1: doing was. like the, yeah. the walk with his legs.
0: Uh, I'm gonna. So I'll, put, I'll put a link into the video, but court was it you that took the the reel or put up the reel of that?
1: Um, I had some videos of it, but I think it was, uh, Phil, I had some clips of it, but I think yeah. Phil actually made his own reel
0: right. of the dancing. Um, there's got like, I would love to know. The it's on his minute, page. But, yeah. I'll find it, but That's, I'd love I'll to know the I'm number of views. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess getting back. So now you're, we're back at ISDE. You've got a yes. third degree separated shoulder. You've got a broken rib, your bikes twisted up and you know you get through the day you get through the paddock the next day you're out and you kind of like dropped a bomb on the world this is
3: where i have to give another shout out to the um like jared was saying it's not just about your teammates on the bike it's your teammates off the bike uh doc mcgee was an absolute lifesaver he um taped up my my shoulder the morning of day four. And, you know, it's funny, of all things for me to not like, I don't like needles. I really don't like needles. I was the kid who you had to, like, hold me down to make me get my shots every year. Um, so he had uh, lidocaine injections he was giving me. And he had to talk me into a really hard the evening of day three. He's like, listen, you need this. Trust me. You need this. Think about that transfer. Think about your country. Think about your team and sit down and let me jab this gigantic needle. That looks like you should be administering horse medicine in it, in your arm. And I went, okay. So I sat there and tried not to look at the needle. He would give it to me in the morning. And then again, at the halfway point through, well, a little later than the halfway point because, um, I guess I should mention I had to change a tire with the shoulder separated also.
0: Yeah.
3: Because I knew I knew the rear tire was not going to last through the next two days, like it was already starting to spin on some of the silty climbs and I figured, well, if I'm already riding injured and this tire the other thing too. I know of at least one incident, Mandy Maston in Greece, and I think 2008, she actually had a bib meltdown, like disintegrate due to heat and stress. And I figured Argentina had a lot of heat and stress. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to end up riding 200 miles, whatever that is in kilometers. I'm sorry, guys, I can't translate that in my head. <laughs> um, neither, neither can we. I'm not going to ride. Yes, I'm not going to ride that far only to DNF due to a mechanical that I could have prevented. So that was the other thing I did the evening of day three. I got the Rabaconda out and I, that was one area where I made a slight mistake. I should have set up a time-lapse video of me trying all these different ways to change a tire with a <laughs> separated shoulder and broken rib. Like at one point I'm standing, like standing on top of the Rabaconda and on top of the tire, trying to sit Jeez. on the arm enough to get it to like, cause I couldn't push with my right arm because the shoulder was separated. And I couldn't push with my left arm because it aggravated the rib. So I'm like, I couldn't really push with either arm. So I'm like laying on the thing. I'm sitting on the thing. I'm trying to use my knee as like a hook to push down. And I finally, what ended up working is I flipped the arm upside down. So instead of curving down, it curved up. So physics wise, Uh that gave me just enough leverage. And once I got those four spoons in, it was pretty much okay. I could mostly use my left arm. Like The first four, like when you pull them both over, that was also a bit painful. But once I got that part, it was... um, manageable so I ended up changing the tire I think in 10 minutes the rear which is not a very good time for six days but for for the limitations I was under I was so like that's the proudest I've ever been of a tire change so I did that the evening of day four after I got everything done so I actually for that day made sure a little later in the day to get the second lidocaine shot because I'm like I actually need this to be in full effect while I'm trying to change the tire not necessarily while I'm on my bike and riding and also, day four, Taylor ended up withdrawing from the race, so that gave us a lot more cushion. So I was a lot less scared of dropping route points in the work area, trying to do that. Um, and the other thing too, I need to just give a quick shout out to Taylor. Um, I cannot imagine the severity of her injuries to require her like that would require her to pull in. She once broke her tibia and fibia on the first lap of a GNCC. And finished second at that GNCC, no. if I remember correctly. Beat oh. me with a broken tip, fib, which makes you feel real good about yourself. <laughs> but she is a legit badass. So for her to pull in and she basically said, like, I'm really badly hurt and I'm scared of that transfer and there's cliffs and stuff and I'm not I'm not always tall enough to get a foot down. I can't. She's like, I can't do it. And she's like this. Is, like, so for Taylor to not be able to do it, I can't even imagine what sort of pain she had to be in. So. Yeah. Basically, I just want to make sure everyone knows that just because Taylor quit and I was able to keep going, that's that's really no statement of anything other than the severity of our injuries and the fact that I'm an inch taller than she is. So, wow. Right. But it did take... It took the heat off us, for sure. Then day five, I was actually kind of relieved for, because I knew I wouldn't have to ever ride the mountain transfer again. And it also... Uh, <laughs> It was a shorter day. If I recall, I was a little concerned about the unknown aspect and the fact that now Corey and I are no longer on the same row. So I've got, I don't have one of my teammates behind me, but I, I do have good relationships with a lot of the other women. Um, so I figured if I was really in trouble, one of the four, like if I'm underneath my bike or something, somebody will stop and make sure I'm not yeah. dead probably. So, so
0: so I just want to ask you something when you say like, this is, you know, you said the unknown, I think, as I recall, Stages days one and two were the same course, forward and backwards. Yes. and then days mm-hmm. three and four same course. No,
3: no, no, no. Only days and one and
0: two. Oh, Okay, and then well, no, day no, five. so
3: no, no. Sorry, I've I've done a poor job of articulating that. The courses were the same days one or two, or one and two, and they were the yeah. same days three and four. But you said right. forwards and backwards. We never reverse oh, okay. direction. Oh, okay. They were ran but forwards still... each time.
0: Okay, my bad. So, so yeah, so when you say no one, it was the, it was like the one test that it had been several days since you'd walked it, no doubt.
3: Yes, but it was more, again, it was more the transfer I was concerned about because now my test times didn't matter. All that mattered is I needed to finish, but it's funny you should mention that because I thought winning my first ISDE test would be my proudest accomplishment I brought home from Argentina. And then I thought maybe it'd be when we won the world trophy and I rode a very long way with that shoulder separated. But what ended up being my proudest accomplishment is I won a special test by 15 seconds in my category with the separated shoulder. That was, I was really proud of that one. So what had happened is again, it was a loop. So we ran the test once and it was the, it was the water test. It was the only test with water, the only place that had water, if I recall in pretty much all of Argentina. That was
0: an epic test.
2: And I was
3: so I had been so excited for that one. That was the other one besides Minnie Erzberg that I thought, Hey, this is my kind of thing. I think I can win this one. And I remember the first lap through riding around so mad that I'm like, I'm having to be all cautious. I've got my, which that was something else. I learned to kind of tuck my elbow into my hip in almost like a full chicken wing. And that kind of braced and supported it. And the other thing I need to do is give a shout out to one of our club guys, Trevor Maley. He has had shoulder problems in the past, and he has this EVS brace thing that like holds your shoulders together and helps yeah. hold them. Because yep. that was the other thing that bothered me besides the pain. I could feel the shoulder moving in and out. So Ooh. doc actually ended up having to give me an anti nausea medication halfway through day five too, because it was it was gross. Um, made me made me want to throw up. So, but the brace the brace fixed the in and out thing. I didn't have to deal with that part anymore. Now it just hurt instead of hurting and being gross so that helped so i rode that test and i i guess i should also mention during this time the evening of day four brandy crashed and broke a collarbone because you know
0: Yeah. because why not
3: of course why that not? had to happen why not you know and the running <laughs> joke work. in the container yes the running joke in the container was that we needed Corey to stay healthy and intact because otherwise we would not be able to lift the trophy
1: neither brandy nor ah, yeah. i
3: could get our arms over our head we're like we're just gonna have to like sit down on the stage next to the trophy and smile because none of us are gonna be able to get it up and it, in fact you'll see in our podium photo brandy and i are just sitting there like this and corey has got it fully over her head <laughs> she had to she had to bear the weight of the trophy but well that that was another moment so that, in endurocross
0: cross too though was at the end when you won like a week we'll, later
3: <laughs> we'll we'll get to that part too um the so that test, I wrote it the first time, and I was mad. I was mad the entire time. I'm like, this would be so much fun. I would be going so fast. This is so stupid. Why couldn't have this test been on day one? And I get to the end of it, and the board worker said, hey, you were second in that test. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. And he's like, well, look at the times. And I go, I was second in that test. And he's like, the fast Australian, I only beat you by, like, five seconds. And I'm like, okay, five seconds. I can do that. I think I can do that. So I come around the next time. And I figured too, at that point, we're over halfway through the day. So even if I crash and hit my shoulder again, I can probably still survive. So I went as all out as I could possibly go. I passed, I think, four people in my class in that test, which granted I was starting pretty near the back of the pack. So it's not like I was passing the super fast ones, but like I felt really good and I came through and sure enough uh, won it by over 10 seconds. So that was, that's probably going to go down as one of my. Proudest moments of my career was that I was able to, to ride through the pain and still win.
0: That's so
3: awesome. That's
0: wow. mental. So, you do that, and then you know I'm I'm starting to look ahead, sitting back here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, covering this thing, and I'm looking ahead to the next weekend in Reno, Nevada, for the finale of the 2023 Endurocross season, and I, you know, being me and being really subtle, I, I remember messaging and saying like, Hey, so what do you think Are you gonna be able to ride? And, uh, <laughs> your response was awesome. And you were just like, Hey, like, I want this thing. And you're like, I've, i got, I've done the math. I, you know, I think I just got to like finish and I should be okay. If all things remain the same.
3: And, yes. And as it turns out, I was not only correct in that I, well, I actually wasn't correct in that. I just had yeah. to finish. I had to leave the gate. That was yeah. all that had to happen. And there was some confusion because a lot of people did not realize that the uh, promoter had given the women's Enduro Cross field a drop because basically Shelby and I went to them at the beginning when the series was launched. And they're like, guys, nobody ever puts a race, especially like a national level race, on top of six days. That's just not done. And they're like, well, stadium dates and availability and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen your top two in the series last year are not going to show up for this series if you can't make it so we can potentially win. So, and I'd already, Shelby and I both spoke with, uh, actually, I think I might've done the legwork on this, but anyway, all the other women agreed in the interest of fair play. So it wasn't like we were just ramrodding this through, like the entire class came to a consensus that, hey, this is the most fair way to do it. Let's be supportive of our various national teams and make this happen. So yeah, there were I think a lot of it, people who were, yeah, under the impression that I had to win in order to make up for the race I wasn't at. But no, all I had to do was leave the start gate.
0: I think in my my uh, preview for that final round, I think I, I was, you know, running through some of the scenarios in and I said, like, let's just call this the Rachel Goodish rule. Yeah, where you <laughs> oh, where you well, got that, to draw. That the... makes it
3: sound like they're playing favorites for me. You know? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no they, it kind, they kind it of wasn't. were they were playing favorites for Shelby and I, but like, but yeah. That, but
0: that was it. There was confusion and I wanted to like put it out there. And it was funny because the rule was actually yeah. written really ambiguously. And I, I remember asking the Enduro Cross series, I was like, I believe the word they use, like riders may drop one result. And I was like, Well, may makes it sound like they can if they want, but they don't have to. And I didn't bring that up with you because I was like, huh, well, whatever. I'm sure I'm sure the spirit well, of the rule is good enough. It's you know, uh
3: but. it's funny. I was a pre law student in college. And I've definitely go. picked up on the use of May. Yeah, so I yeah. went and directly asked the promoter. I'm like, how are you applying this rule? And what will the ruling be? <laughs> and I asked him about three or four different scenarios. That way I had like, I didn't record him saying this or anything, no, no. but I made sure I knew exactly where I stood on that. But And then as far as the race itself, so Endurocross, like I came back from six days. I was really happy with that. I obviously did not train that week. I laid in bed and moaned mostly. Um, <laughs> watched other people ride dirt bikes at Nick Thompson's house. Like it, it wasn't bad, but just tried to rest up and heal as much as I could. And then Doc McGee gave me one dose of the lidocaine to take yeah. home with me as like a, a little doggy bag for a six gift. days, you know, a gift, a, a parting gift. Parting gift.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Now, the bad thing about the lidocaine injections, though, they only last for about four hours. So I ended up like I needed to do all the qualifying and all the daytime racing without it uh, if I wanted to be able to have it for the night show. And I mean, yes, I could have just left the gate. But actually, what rating is this podcast? Can I curse? Am I allowed to Mm -hmm. use curse words on this podcast?
0: 100%. Please.
3: Oh, I am. Okay. That leaving the gate seemed like a chicken shit way to win a title. Like, where's the fun in that? Where's the glory in that? No, I'm not going to leave the gate and pull off. I couldn't bring myself to, even though like that's the logical thing to do. Like, no, absolutely not happening. So I ended up setting uh, fast qualifying time, which was really surprising. And I actually want to give another shout out to just how generally supportive of everyone enduro riders are. Yeah. Uh, even, Shelby wasn't racing, obviously, but we've been friends and competitors for a long time. She uh, showed up at my van to do my tape job that morning, you know, EMT slash uh, yeah. enduro rider. She absolutely knows how to tape up a wound well. So she got my shoulder all taped up. And then during the qualifying, so the, the first qualifier we go out for is just a time to practice. And that'll be your gate pick during the qualifier. So it's not like we're racing each other at that point. We're just like trying to set a hot lap time. So I fell off the stupid tire stack and couldn't figure out how to pick the bike up. Cause like, I can't really do that. That, that yet. was
0: quite so a like, moment. I was watching that.
3: Oh, you yeah. saw that. Yeah. 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 So I'm like trying to pick up the bike this way and trying to pick up the bike that way. And then it, I'm finally just reduced to looking at the bike sadly. And Kylie Sweeten stops in the other lane and puts her bike on the side stand and walks over and picks up my bike for me. So I can keep going.
0: I got to look back. I might have pictures. <laughs> yeah. of
3: Yeah. Oh, if you do, please send them to me. You bet. But yeah. so, yeah, I, uh, She said afterwards, she's like, yeah, I already set what I thought was a pretty good lap time. And I didn't really want to see you blow out your shoulder even more trying to pick your bike up. She's like, but I also didn't think you were going to repay me by then setting a faster lap time. She's like, that was kind of rude of you. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a good laugh about that. And then uh, during the, well, I guess, too, the other thing, it's, and this isn't live. So you can cut out as much of my stories as you want, because I know I can be a bit long winded. Uh,
0: This is awesome.
3: So my mom's a nurse, but she's newborn intensive care. So she doesn't often have to administer lidocaine injections to separated AC joints on infants. That's not really a problem they have.
2: No, nope.
3: for the but she had watched Walk McGee.
0: I'm making a barfy face right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a couple so, times when you talk
3: about it. So she. Uh, She had watched Doc McGee do it, but she was really, really nervous to have to do the induction. And I would have just asked Shelby to do it, except she's doing the announcing. I can't, like, pull her out of the booth real quick to doctor me up. And at the same time, too, I don't really want to do this in a public place. Like, I don't... My mom's like, where should we do this? And I'm like, well, not the stand. She's like, do you want to go in the women's bathroom? And I'm like, no. I do not want to be locked in a stall in the women's bathroom (laughs) while you try and administer medication to my children. That sounds very unsanitary. And also, I just... (laughs) That it's would drive age. this whole thing. Like, all of this is so absurd as it is. That would drive it to the point no. of, like, beyond absurdity. My, that might break me finally. So, we ended up going down into the pits during one of the pro uh, mains just to make sure there would be few people down there paying any attention. And I pull the tape. I get my chest protector off. I get my brace off. I roll the tape back. I pull my arm. And mom and I both look like we're going to throw up at this point because, again, I don't like needles and oh. she is terrified. And, and I and I'll go, point okay, out that listen, this was not
0: necessarily sanitary there oh, either. Yes. This was a
3: horse. Well, barn. well, it felt more sanitary than the bathroom. I don't know. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I think it's like 50 50.
3: So we, uh, and I look at her and I'm like, you know, mom, you don't have to do this. We really don't have to do this. Like, I don't technically have to do anything other than leave the gate. And even without the lidocaine, I still finish second in the qualifier to Melissa Harton. Like, it'll be fine, probably. We don't have to do this. And she just kind of steals herself because this is my moment. And <laughs> she gets the name. Oh,
0: bless your mom.
3: <laughs> bless my mom. That is, you know, if those are the most honest words I can possibly say, she is a saint. She has had to put up with things no mother should ever have to put up with and asking her to inject drugs into my joint in a horse barn. Before a dirt bike is definitely Amazing. on that list. But I was a little frustrated, though, because she was... She got the needle in, and then she looked at me and went, do you think it's in the right place? And I'm like, I don't oh care. Just inject it. Your wig, like, just, just do it already. Like, I'm sitting there looking at her, looking at the needle, trying to decide. If, I'm like, it's already in. You are not pulling that back out to try again. So we're just going to hope this is close enough, because no. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I'm dying.
3: <laughs> yes. Oh, so I like said it's please feel free to laugh in retrospect it is hilarious so, so gnarly we, <laughs> so we get my tape back on we get my test protector back on we it's time to go out for the main and for the most part it went well um the rocks really hurt but even worse than the rocks was like the stupid dumpster like jumping out yeah. of the dumpster it that was rather uncomfortable but it was a heck of a feature so
0: you jump into the dumpster and then jump out of the dumpster i mean it it looked great but
3: yes and then well (laughs) you know dumpster diving it's kind of has a ring to it (laughs) but the like the jump out of the dumpster it was because it was just a flat land from like five feet ten feet up and it just what is that meters i don't even know no we don't the length of we use feet okay so so as tall as i am plus a half of me yeah. If that helps, like person size, person size drop on flat, sometimes with rocks. And I'm like, oh, that I might have screamed a little bit when I was hitting that. Um, yeah. But I had a good battle, I think, going. Honestly, I, I would probably need to watch the main again because I don't really remember all that much of it. But I even hit the finish line jump because, you know, if we're going to do this yeah. thing, we're going to do this thing. And I took the win. And I pull off the track, and I hand my bike over, and I immediately just kind of, like, I wasn't sure where the TV cameras were, so I, like, crawled behind the podium where no one could see me, like, behind the banner, and just kind of, for a, long <laughs> enough to get myself back together. I'm like, About I hope they didn't follow me back moment. here. No one need- <laughs> 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 well, yeah, like, down on one knee, just kind of like, oh, that hurt a lot, but... And then even in my podium speech, I think they asked how I was feeling. And I'm pretty sure I said, I think I might pass out, which is really not how I imagined my first Enduro Cross title. I didn't think that was how the speech was going to go. Like when I pictured it in my head. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so it all ended up working out. I won the Enduro Cross title. I had a I don't really know if you can say I had a perfect season because I didn't win all the rounds, but I won all the rounds I was at, so I think that's yeah. a pretty cool accomplishment. And I'm
0: not going to put an asterisk there. So well, we do well, also
3: have to we we do also have to mention that Shelby wasn't there, and I really hope Shelby and I are both health he, both healthy this season, so we can actually do battle in the series, and uh, I can maybe win a title where where Shelby is actually there to race against. I mean, she's got so, six of them, but maybe yeah. I got a shot.
0: um so i remember the idaho falls double header rounds three and four and i think it was after round four i did a little stand-up interview with you and one of the things you said was you know i was like hey like you know you're you're killing this like you're winning you're running away with this thing right now and you and you were like very quick to say you know like well you know i'm just gonna say that the 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 reason i'm running away with this right now is because shelby's not racing and that was that was amazing I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean that's you know, shouting out to your to your competitor and but you did, you killed it the whole way through. And I remember that in the finale in Reno, I was like, Yeah, Rachel's gonna do her best. And I figured, you know, at first I was like, you know what, she's not gonna just roll the gate unless she's really, really hurting. And just from talking to you, I was like, No. I was like, I think she's gonna ride, she's gonna do her best. And you know, before I'd seen you ride. I was thinking like, ah, you know, top five for sure. Who knows? Maybe an outside shot at the podium. You never know. And uh, then I saw you do your first hot laps and I was like, nope, just going to win this thing. And like, I called it and I was like, I called the shot and I was like, I don't know how she's going to do it, but you did. And it was just epic to watch. Like the men's finale was incredible. Like with the race between. You know, Tristan and Johnny and Colton and the insanity with the points and what was going on there. But your race was just so gutty and gritty. And I think it just really defined who you are as a rider. You're versatile, you're strong, and you're gutsy as hell. I mean, it was just it was something to watch.
3: Well, I'm glad we're not doing video for this because I'm blushing right now and really embarrassed. So um, <laughs> thank you for the compliments, Aww. I guess. <clears throat>
0: Well, you deserve that. You earned it.
3: <laughs> Huge
1: accomplishment.
0: Huge. And so, yeah. So now, and now we're into 2024. So you've, you know, we touched on it earlier. So you've put the Sherco on the box two out of two times. Uh, you've got the first round of GNCC is coming up. What? Uh, one or two weekends from now, from when we're, when we're doing yeah, this podcast. So we
3: have, we have the first round of our national enduro series this upcoming weekend. Right. Followed by first round of GNCC one weekend off, then two GNCCs back-to-back, if I'm remembering the schedule correctly.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to trust you on this one. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so you've also, I know we've talked a little bit about this. So you're racing sprint enduro, racing national enduro. You're racing GNCC. Uh, You said you're likely going to race... I think you said like two or three rounds of hard enduro. Um and then obviously enduro cross and qualifying for ISDE must be a priority.
1: And hopefully some SOR Sprint Enduro. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like I say, bust I out the start my, money. I
3: will do I will do my very best.
2: <laughs> Doesn't sound like um, your schedule's too packed or anything.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. Plenty of off weekends. Um so-
0: so, what would so, you say yeah, out of was, all of that? What's what's your priority for the season?
3: Oh man, don't make me pick a favorite kid. That's always hard to do. <laughs> so, favorite kid, biggest goal. I guess we'll, I guess we'll start with uh, kind of what Sherko intended for me. They, it was the strangest phone call I've ever had. Let's start there. I could go into all of the reasons why it was strange. There were lots. But the one of the moments that really stood out the most is they off, they made me the offer. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fantastic. And I said, so what series am I doing? And he's like, well, we want you to do Endurocross because you've got the number one plate. And I'm like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. You want to see the number one plate on the blue bike. And reasonable. I love Endurocross. It's one of my favorite things to do. So, of course, no problems. And I said, and what, what else do you want me to do? And he goes, well, what would you like to do? And I didn't even know what to say for a minute because never once in my career has a sponsor asked me what I want to do. It's always like, you get told what to do. You're going to go here and you're going to go there. And if you have any extra time left over, you can maybe do something you want to do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that makes it sound like I really don't like GNCCs, which I can. (sighs) GNCCs are okay. They are fine. I have raced them my entire career, but there is something about being in a race with 900 sea riders at the same time as you, that is maybe less than fun.
0: It's a different There's thing. also
3: something about going to John Pinton for the 25th year and the second time that season that is maybe less than fun. Like, it's, I mean, it's still racing my dirt bike, so it's still fun. But, like, for most companies, if you are an East Coast based rider in the US, GNCC is non negotiable. You run, like I said in the article last week, you're on the GNCC Plus program. You do yeah. GNCCs and then. A secondary series, sometimes of your choosing, sometimes they kinda heavily suggest or tell you where to go. So when Shirko asked me what I wanted to do, I didn't really know. Like I had to sit there and think about it. Like long enough he thought maybe the call had dropped and asked if I was still there. I'm like, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm just thinking. This really caught me off guard. But then I thought about it, I'm like, you know what I want to do? And not to say I'm too motivated by spite or anything. I want to put this blue motorcycle on every single podium in the continental United States. If I can, that's what I (laughs) want to do. I want this bike on every single podium I can possibly put it on. I, I will, you know, I will look at the schedule. Who knows? I might even go to a hare and hound and put it on the podium there just because I can, you know, like that's, that's the goal. So (laughs) would you, would you come West (laughs) and
0: try something like an NGPC or, and sorry, what is it? It's the uh, NGPC NGPC. Sorry.
3: Potentially, although if I'm doing a West Coast series, just because I love Meg Ocubrite and I've done one before and really liked it, I'd probably go Hare and Hound. Yeah, they're high speed, but there's also some techie bits that I think yeah. I'd get along well with.
0: That's fair.
3: Um, but unfortunately, Hare and Hound doesn't do a good job of not scheduling over the top of GNCC because why on earth would anyone do both of those things in a season? That's the thing I run yeah. into. Like, <laughs> nobody endurocross really doesn't care if they schedule over GNCCs because I'm the only one stupid enough to try and do both of those things at the same time for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the current plan is I'm going to start by doing everything and then I'm gonna see what sticks and I may continue to do everything the entire season. If I'm doing really good in a couple things and not so great in others, I may choose to like hone in on those things a bit more. I really don't know. And I, like said Sherko, their part in... says
0: No, keep going. Go sorry, sorry. You go.
3: Oh, I was just saying that uh Sherko for their part basically just said, well, You do as many races as you want. If you're having fun and you're representing the brand well, that's all we want. Which again, made it the strangest phone call I've ever had with a sponsor before. So, but like I said, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this deal with Shirko, just because not only do I feel like I'm in a place where I'm being treated well and I'm respected and they, they want me like, I can tell they actually want me to be there. And sometimes to be perfectly frank with gas gas, I couldn't tell if I mattered in the slightest to them. Not just because of what happened at the end of the season, but just some other problems we had throughout the year. I'm like, I can't. Anyway, that's that's all water under the bridge. It doesn't really matter at this point, <laughs> but it's very, very refreshing to ride for people who want you and appreciate you. So the other thing, I guess, while we're talking about fun things I'm going to do, it's not a done deal yet for sure, but one of my... I'm. Uh-huh. So one of my counterparts uh, from Great Britain, so she rides for their Women's World Trophy team. We have it arranged where we're going to do a bit of a foreign exchange program this year. Oh, uh,
0: yeah.
3: They have an yeah they have an Enduro GP round in Wales this year,
0: and right. she also yes, rides for do.
3: Circo. So I'm going to go ride one of her Shercos in Wales, if we can manage to make that all happen correctly. And then she's going to come do either a GNCC or national enduro this season as well. So that's probably, aside from, aside from six days, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. I've always wanted to go try one of those. And like, I know where I rank against most of those women, because I race them at six days. And I really think I could be the first uh, American female to make an enduro DP podium, which I think would be sick.
2: That's right. That's
0: a good that's goal. That's epic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw it out here because Jared and Courtney didn't jump right on it. You know, there are very inexpensive direct flights from Calgary, Alberta to London Heathrow. And then it's a short two-hour train ride to Cardiff in Wales. You know, if you could just make that work with, you know, maybe a race in Alberta. You know, I don't know if we only had a series huh. here.
3: huh? <laughs> yeah. F- food, food for thought. That's for sure. It'd be, I mean, hey, well, unfortunately, given that Jared said that you guys seem to have a lot of dry, dusty things, and I think in Wales it rains every day, the terrain wouldn't be right. But I could at least get some sprinting practice in beforehand. So, could the be. There's certainly guys. worse ideas.
2: We'll, there are uh,
0: worse ideas. Yeah,
2: we'll water <laughs> it. We'll make it just like Wales. Excellent.
3: <laughs> that that We'd dry
0: conditions
1: best. only medicine has.
2: No, no, it's yeah, it's 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 provincial.
0: It's
1: it's. I'm open. trying to like make it sound better. Oh. <laughs> good, good, good uh, effort.
2: Just ask uh, the farmers. Yeah. Sorry, eh? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No <laughs> well, do to boot it.
0: No do to boot it. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Well, look, Rachel, we have kept oh, yeah you for way too did, long. Did I get it?
3: Hang on. Yeah. Did I get it? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. it's it's, it's just like minnesota or north dakota (laughs) okay
0: it's it's kind of just like that she's a gooder um rachel goodish thank you so much we've kept you for way too long uh you can tell a story in the best possible way
2: um absolutely
0: yeah agreed thank you so much for being the first uh guest or victim on the we'll try and say it without tongue twisting ourselves the enduro bureau podcast. And, uh, you know, just can't say thank you enough. And also how excited, you know, I am here at enduro.media to have you writing. I mean, the feedback has been insane. People are really excited about that and you're doing a killer job. So man, just keep gripping it and ripping it and we will see you soon. Thank you.
3: Of course. It was, uh, my pleasure to come on. Love to talk about dirt bikes. Won't shut up if you get me talking about dirt bikes. So <laughs> well, yeah,
0: We're going to have you hopefully, back. Don't you worry.
3: Yeah. Hopefully, you know, give it four or five months and I'll have some more stories to tell. Maybe less um, dramatic and painful ones, I hope, but stories all the same.
0: <laughs> right on. Okay, well, hey, thanks, and we will see you for tomorrow.